9. Tick Charm. At times he painted with much power. Daubigny 1817-1878 seemed more like Corot in his charm of style and love of atmosphere and light than any of the others. He was fond of the banks of the Seine and the Marne at twilight, with evening atmospheres and dark trees standing in silent ranks against the warm sky. He was also fond of the grey day along the coast, and even the sea attracted him not a little. He was a painter of high abilities, and in treatment strongly individual, even distinguished, by his simplicity and directness. Unity of the whole, grasp of the mass entire, was his technical aim, and this he sought to get not so much by line as by color tones of varying value. In this respect he seemed a connecting link between Corot and the present-day Impressionists. Mitchell 1763-1842, with 1804-1869, Chintroy 1814-1873, and France 1814 were all allied in point of view with this group of landscape painters and among the late men who have carried out their beliefs are Kazan, Young, Davoya, Poindlin, Harpignes and Palou seem a little more inclined to the realistic than the poetic view, though producing work of much virility and intelligence. Contemporary and associated with the Fon and Blow painters were a number of men who won high distinction as painters of animals. Trawaya 1810-1865 was the most prominent among them. His work shows the same sentiment of light and color as the Fon and Blow landscapists and with it there is much keen insight into animal life. As a technician he was rather hard at first, and he never was a correct draftsman, but he had a way of giving the character of the objects he portrayed which is the very essence of truth. He did many landscapes with and without cattle. His best pupil was Van Mark 1827-1890, who followed his methods but never possessed the feeling of his master. Jack 1813 is also of the Fond and Blow Barbizon group and is justly celebrated for his paintings and etchings of sheep. The poetry of the school is his, and technically he is fine in color at times, if often rather dark in illumination. Like Trawaya he knows his subject well, and can show the nature of sheep with true feeling. Rosa Bonher 1822 and her brother, August Bonher 1824-1884, have both dealt with animal life, but never with that fine artistic feeling which would warrant their popularity. Their work is correct enough, but prosaic and commonplace in spirit. They do not belong in the same group with Trawaya and Rousseau. The peasant painters, allied again in feeling and sentiment with the Fond and Blow landscapists were some celebrated painters of peasant life, chief among whom stood Millet 1814-1875, of Barbizon. The pictorial inclination of Millet was early grounded by a study of Delacroix, the master romanticist and his work is an expression of romanticism modified by an individual study of nature and applied to peasant life. He was peasant-born, living and dying at Barbizon, sympathizing with his class, and painting them with great poetic force and simplicity. His sentiment sometimes has a literary bias, as in his far-famed but indifferent angels, but usually it is strictly pictorial and has to do with the beauty of light, air, color, motion, life, as shown in the sower or the gleaners. Technically he was not strong as a draftsman or a brushman, but he had a large feeling for form, great simplicity in line, keen perception of the relations of light and dark, and at times an excellent color sense. He was virtually the discoverer of the peasant as an art subject, and for this, as for his original point of view and artistic feeling, he is ranked as one of the foremost artists of the century. Jules Breton 1827, though painting little besides the peasantry, is no millet follower for he started painting peasant scenes at about the same time as Millet. 
his affinities were with the new Greeks early in life, and ever since he has inclined toward the academic in style, though handling the rustic subject, he is a good technician, except in his late work, but as an original thinker, as a pictorial poet, he does not show the intensity or profundity of Millet. The followers of the Millet Breton tradition are many. The blue frocked and sambo shop peasantry had appeared in salon and gallery for twenty years and more, but with not very good results. The imitators, as usual, have caught at the subject and missed the spirit. Billet and Legros, contemporaries of Millet, still living, and Laurel, a man of present-day note, are perhaps the most considerable of the painters of rural subjects today. The semi-classicists, it must not be inferred that the classic influence of David and Ingres disappeared from view with the coming of the Romanticists, the Fondenblow landscapists, and the Barbizon painters, on the contrary, side by side with these men, and opposed to them, were the believers in line and academic formulas of the beautiful. The whole tendency of academic art in France was against Delacroix, Rousseau, and Millet. During their lives they were regarded as heretics in art and without the pale of the academy. Their art, however, combined with nature study and the realism of Corbett, succeeded in modifying the severe classicism of Ingres into what has been called semi-classicism. It consists in the elevated, heroic, or historical theme, academic form well drawn, some show of bright colors, smoothness of brushwork, and precision and nicety of detail. In treatment it attempts the realistic but in spirit it is usually stilted, cold, and sympathetic. Cabanel 1823-1889 and Bouderia 1825-1905 had both represented semi-classic art well. They are justly ranked as famous draftsmen and good portrait painters, but their work always has about it the stamp of the academy machine, a something done to order, knowing and exact, but lacking in the personal element. It is a weakness of the academic method that it virtually banishes the individuality of eye and hand in favor of school formulas. Cabanel and Bouderia have painted many incidents of classic and historic story, but with never a dash of enthusiasm or a suggestion of the great qualities of painting. Their drawing has been as thorough as could be asked for, but their colorings have been harsh and their brushes cold and thin. Jerome 1824 is a man of classic training and inclination but his versatility hardly allows him to be classified anywhere. He was first a leader of the New Greeks, painting delicate mythological subjects, then a historical painter, showing deaths of Caesar and the like, then an Orientalist, giving scenes from Cairo and Constantinople, then a genre painter, depicting contemporary subjects in the many lands through which he has traveled. Whatever he has done shows semi-classic drawing, ethnological and archaeological knowledge, Parisian technique and exact detail. His travels have not changed his precise scientific point of view. He is a true academician at bottom, but a more versatile and cultured painter than either Cabanel or Bouderia. He draws well, sometimes uses color well, and is an excellent painter of textures. A man of great learning in many departments he is no painter to be sneered at, and yet not a painter to make the pulse beat faster or to arouse the aesthetic emotions. His work is impersonal, objective fact showing a brilliant exterior but inwardly devoid of feeling. Paul Bobbery 1828-1886, though a disciple of Line, was not precisely a semi-classicist, and perhaps for that reason was superior to any of the academic painters of his time. He was a follower of the old masters in Rome more than the École des Beaux-Arts. His subjects, aside from many splendid portraits, were almost all classical, allegorical, or mythological. He was a fine draftsman, and, 
what is more remarkable in conjunction therewith, a fine colorist, he was hardly a great originator, and had not passion, dramatic force, or much sentiment, except such as may be found in his delicate coloring and rhythm of line. Nevertheless he was an artist to be admired for his purity of purpose and breadth of accomplishment. His chief work is to be seen in the opera at Paris. Pavise de Chavin's 1824 is quite a different style of painter, and is remarkable for fine delicate tones of color which hold their place well on wall or ceiling, and for a certain grandeur of composition. In his desire to revive the monumental painting of the Renaissance he has met with much praise and much blame. He is an artist of sincerity and learning, and as a wall painter has no superior in contemporary France. Hebert 1817-1908, an early painter of academic tendencies, and Henry 1829, fond of form and yet a brushman with an idyllic feeling for light and color in dark surroundings, are painters who may come under the semi-classic grouping. Lefebvre 1834 is probably the most pronounced in academic methods among the present men, a draftsman of ability, portrait and figure painters, under this heading may be included those painters who stand by themselves, showing no positive preference for either the classic or romantic followings, Bonnet 1833 has painted all kinds of subjects genre, figure, and historical pieces but is perhaps best known as a portrait painter, he has done forcible work. Some of it indeed is astonishing in its realistic modeling the accentuation of light and shadow often causing the figures to advance unnaturally. From this feature and from his detail he has been known for years as a realist. His anatomical Christ on the cross and mural paintings in the Pantheon are examples. As a portrait painter he is acceptable, if at times a little raw in color. Another portrait painter of celebrity is Carolus during 1837. He is rather startling at times in his portrayal of robes and draperies, has a facility of the brush that is frequently deceptive, and in color is sometimes vivid. He has had great success as a teacher, and island all told, a painter of high rank. Delaunay 1828-1892 in late years painted little besides portraits, and was one of the conservatives of French art. Lawrence 1838 has been more of a historical painter than the others, and has dealt largely with death scenes. He is often spoken of as, the painter of the dead, a man of sound training and excellent technical power. Regnault 1843-1871 was a figure and genre painter with much feeling for oriental light and color, who unfortunately was killed in battle at 27 years of age. He was an artist of promise, and has left several notable canvases. Among the younger men who portray the historical subject in an elevated style mention should be made of Cormon 1845. Benjamin Constant 1845, and Roger as painters of portraits Amandine and Carrieray have long held rank, and each succeeding salon brings new portraitists to the front, the realists, about the time of the appearance of Millet, say 1848, there also came to the front a man who scorned both classicism and romanticism, and maintained that the only model and subject of art should be nature, this man, Kirby 1819-1878, really gave a third tendency to the art of the century in France, and his influence undoubtedly had much to do with modifying both the classic and romantic tendencies. Kirby was a man of arrogant, dogmatic disposition, and was quite heartily detested during his life, but that he was a painter of great ability few will deny. His theory was the abolition of both sentiment and academic law, and the taking of nature just as it was, with all its beauties and all its deformities. This, too was his practice to a certain extent. His art is material, 
and yet at times lofty in conception even to the sublime, and while he believed in realism he did not believe in petty detail, but rather in the great truths of nature, these he saw with a discerning eye and portrayed with a masterful brush, he believed in what he saw only, and had more the observing than the reflective or emotional disposition, as a technician he was coarse but superbly strong, handling sky, earth, air, with the ease and power of one well trained in his craft, his subjects were many the peasantry of France, landscape, and the sea holding prominent places and his influence, though not direct because he had no pupils of consequence, has been most potent with the late men, the young painter of today who does things in a realistic way is frequently met with in French art, Hermit 1844, Julien Dupre 1851, and others have handled the peasant subject with skill, after the millet Corbett initiative, and Bastien Lepage 1848-1884 excited a good deal of admiration in his lifetime for the truth and evident sincerity of his art. Bastien's point of view was realistic enough, but somewhat material. He never handled the large composition with success, but in small pieces and in portraits he was quite above criticism. His following among the young men was considerable, and the so-called impressionists have ranked him among their disciples or leaders. Painters of military scenes, genre, etc., the art of my Somier 1815-1891, while extremely realistic in modern detail, probably originated from a study of the 17th century Dutchmen like Turberg and Metsu, it does not portray low life, but rather the half-aristocratic the scholar, the cavalier, the gentleman of leisure, this is done on a small scale with microscopic nicety, and really more in the historical than the genre spirit. Single figures and interiors were his preference, but he also painted a cycle of Napoleonic battle pictures with much force. There is little or no sentiment about his work little more than in that of Jerome. His success lay in exact technical accomplishment. He drew well, painted well, and at times was a superior colorist. His art is more admired by the public than by the painters, but even the latter do not fail to praise his skill of hand. He was a great craftsman in the infinitely little. As a great artist his rank is still open to question. The genre painting of fashionable life has been carried out by many followers of Mysomir, whose names need not be mentioned since they have not improved upon their foreigner. Toulmouche 1829, Loire 1843-1884, Vibert 1840, Bargu, 1883, and others, though somewhat different from Mysomir, belong among those painters of genre who love detail, costumes, stories, and pretty faces, among the painters of military genre mention should be made of Denouville 1836-1885, Bernd Bellicor 1838, Detail 1848, and Amoral 1850, all of them painters of merit, quite a different style of painting half-figure piece half genre is to be found in the work of Ribot 1823, a strong painter, remarkable for his apposition of high flashlights with deep shadows, after the manner of Ribera. The Spanish painter, Roybet 1840 is fond of rich stuffs and tapestries with velvet-clad characters in interiors, out of which he makes good color effects. Bonvin 1817-1887 and Metling have painted the interior with small figures, copper kettles, and other still life that have given brilliancy to their pictures, as a still life painter Vallon 1833 has never had a superior. His fruits, flowers, armors, even his small marines and harbor pieces are painted with one of the surest brushes of the century. He is called the painter's painter, and is a man of great force in handling color, and in large realistic effect. 
Danton and Friant have both produced canvases showing figures in interiors. A number of excellent genre painters have been claimed by the Impressionists as belonging to their brotherhood. There is little to warrant the claim, except the adoption to some extent of the modern ideas of illumination and flat painting. Dagman Dumvrit 1852 is one of these men, a good draftsman, and a finished clean painter who by his recent use of high color finds himself occasionally looked upon as an Impressionist. As a matter of fact he is one of the most conservative of the moderns a man of feeling and imagination, and a fine technician. Fan in Latour 1836-1904 is half romantic, half allegorical in subject, and in treatment oftentimes designedly vague and shadowy, more suggestive than realistic. Dua's 1843 and Jervex 1848 are perhaps nearer to Impressionism in their works than the others, but they are not at all advance advocates of this latest phase of art. In addition there are Cobbett and Henry Martin, the Impressionists, the name is a misnomer. Every painter is an Impressionist in so far as he records his impressions, and all art is Impressionistic. Watman A. 1833-1883, the leader of the original movement, meant to say was that nature should not be painted as it actually island but as it impresses the painter. He and his few followers tried to change the name to Independence but the original name has clung to them and been mistakenly fastened to a present band of landscape painters who are seeking effects of light and air and should be called luminists if it is necessary for them to be named at all. Manet was extravagant in method and disposed toward low life for a subject, which has always militated against his popularity, but he was a very important man for his technical discoveries regarding the relations of light and shadow, the flat appearance of nature, the exact value of color tones, some of his works, like The Boy with a Sword and The Toreador Dad, are excellent pieces of painting. The higher imaginative qualities of Art Manet made no great effort at attaining. Degas stands quite by himself, strong in effects of motion, especially with race horses, fine in color, and a delightful brushman in such subjects as ballet girls and scenes from the theater. Bisnard is one of the best of the present men. He deals with the figure and is usually concerned with the problem of harmonizing color under conflicting lights, such as twilight and lamplight. Birod and Raffaele are exceedingly clever in street scenes and character pieces, Pissarro handles the peasantry in high color, Brown 1829-1890, The Race Horse, and Renoir, The Middle Class of Social Life, Calionot, Roll, Forain, and Miscasset, an American, are also classed with the Impressionists. Impressionist landscape painters, of recent years there has been a disposition to change the key of light in landscape painting, to get nearer the truth of nature in the height of light and in the height of shadows. In doing this Claude Monet, the present leader of the movement, has done away with the dark brown or black shadow and substituted the light-colored shadow, which is nearer the actual truth of nature. In trying to erase the pitch of light he has not been quite so successful, though accomplishing something. His method is to use pure prismatic colors on the principle that color is light in a decomposed form, and that its proper juxtaposition on canvas will recompose into pure light again, hence the use of light shadows and bright colors. The aim of these modern men is chiefly to gain the effect of light and air. They do not apparently care for subject, detail, or composition. At present their work is in the experimental stage. But from the way in which it is being accepted and followed by the painters of today we may be sure the movement is of considerable importance. There will probably be a reaction in favor of more form and solidity than the present men give, but the high key of light will be retained. There are so many painters following these modern methods, not only in France but all over the world.
that a list of their names would be impossible. In France Sicily with Monet are the two important landscapists. In Marines Duden and Mondenard should be mentioned. Principal works, the modern French painters are seen to advantage in the Louvre, Luxembourg, Pantheon, Sorbonne, and the municipal galleries of France. Also Metropolitan Museum New York, Chicago Art Institute, Boston Museum, and many private collections in France and America. Consult for works in public or private hands. Shonlin and Parkins, Cyclopedia of Painters and Paintings, under names of artists. Chapter XV, Spanish Painting, Books Recommended, Bermudez, Dictionario de las Bellas Arts en España, Davilier, Memoir de Velázquez, Davilier, Fortuny, Use by, Los Diferentes Escalas de Pintura, Ford, Handbook of Spain, Head, History of Spanish and French Schools of Painting, Justy, Velázquez and His Times, Lefort, Velázquez, Lefort, Francisco Goya, Lefort, Murillo et son Ecole, Lefort, Lo Painture Espanol, Palomino de Castro y de Losco, Vidas de los Pintores y Estatuarios Eminence Espanoles, Passavant, Die Christliche Kunst in Spanien, Plan, Els Maitres Italians o Service de la Maison d'Autriche, Stevenson, Velázquez, Sterling, Annals of the Artists of Spain, Sterling, Velázquez and his works, Tubino, El Arte y los Artistas Contemporanos en la Peninsula, Tubino, Murillo, Viardot, Notices Sir Els Principa Painters de l'Espagne, Iriarty, Goya, Semiography, etc. Spanish art motives, what may have been the early art of Spain we are at a loss to conjecture, the reigns of the Moor, the iconoclast, and, finally, the Inquisitor, have left little that dates before the 14th century, the miniatures and sacred relics treasured in the churches and said to be of the apostolic period, show the traces of a much later date and a foreign origin. Even when we come down to the 15th century and meet with art produced in Spain, we had a following of Italy or the Netherlands. In methods and technique it was derivative more than original, though almost from the beginning peculiarly Spanish in spirit. That spirit was a dark and savage one, a something that cringed under the lash of the church, bowed before the Inquisition, and played the executioner with the paintbrush. The bulk of Spanish art was church art, done under ecclesiastical domination and done in form without question or protest, the religious subject ruled, true enough, there was portraiture of nobility, and under Philip M. Velasquez a half-monarchical art of military scenes and genre, but this was not the bent of Spanish painting as a whole, even in late days, when Velasquez was reflecting the haughty court, Murillo was more widely and nationally reflecting the believing provinces and the church faith of the people, it is safe to say, in a general way, that the church was responsible for Spanish art, and that religion was its chief motive. There was no revived antique, little of the nude or the pagan, little of consequence in landscape, little, until Velasquez's time, of the real and the actual, an ascetic view of life, faith, and the hereafter prevailed, the pietistic, the fervent, and the devout were not so conspicuous as the morose, the ghastly, and the horrible, the saints and martyrs, the crucifixions and violent deaths, were eloquent of the torture chamber, it was more ecclesiasticism by blood and violence than Christianity by peace and love, and Spain welcomed this, for of all the children of the church she was the most faithful to a rule, crushing out heresy with an iron hand, gaining strength from the Catholic reaction, and upholding the Jesuits and the Inquisition, methods of painting, Spanish art worthy of mention did not appear until the 15th century, at that time Spain was in close relations with the Netherlands, 
and Flemish painting was somewhat followed, how much the methods of the Vanetics influenced Spain would be hard to determine, especially as these northern methods were mixed with influences coming from Italy. Finally, the Italian example prevailed by reason of Spanish students in Italy and Italian painters in Spain, Florentine line, Venetian color, and Neapolitan light and shade ruled almost everywhere and it was not until the time of Velasquez the period just before the 18th century decline that distinctly Spanish methods, founded on nature, really came forcibly to the front. Spanish schools of painting, there is difficulty in classifying these schools of painting because our present knowledge of them is limited, isolated somewhat from the rest of Europe. The Spanish painters have never been critically studied as the Italians have been and what is at present known about the schools must be accepted subject to critical revision hereafter. The earliest school seems to have been made up from a gathering of artists at Toledo, who limbed, carved, and gilded in the cathedral, but this school was not of long duration. It was merged into the Castilian school, which, after the building of Madrid, made its home in that capital and drew its forces from the towns of Toledo, Valladolid, and Badajoz, the Andalusian school which rose about the middle of the 16th century, was made up from the local schools of Seville, Cordova, and Granada. The Valencian school, to the southeast, rose about the same time, and was finally merged into the Andalusian. The Aragon school, to the east, was small and of no great consequence, though existing in a feeble way to the end of the 17th century. The painters of these schools are not very strongly marked apart by methods or school traditions and perhaps the divisions would better be looked upon as more geographical than otherwise. None of the schools really began before the 16th century, though there are names of artists and some extant pictures before that date, and with the 17th century all art in Spain seems to have centered about Madrid. Spanish painting started into a life concurrently with the rise to prominence of Spain as a political kingdom. What, if any, direct effect the maritime discoveries, the conquests of Granada and Naples, the growth of literature, and the decline of Italy, may have had upon Spanish painting can only be conjectured, but certainly the sudden advance of the nation politically and socially was paralleled by the advance of its art. The Castilian school, this school probably had no so-called founder. It was a growth from early art traditions at Toledo, and afterward became the chief school of the kingdom owing to the patronage of Philip I. and Philip I. at Madrid. The first painter of importance in the school seems to have been Antonio Rincon 1446-1500. He is sometimes spoken of as the father of Spanish painting, and as having studied in Italy with Castigno and Ghirlandaio, but there is little foundation for either statement. He painted chiefly at Toledo, painted portraits of Ferdinand and Isabella, and had some skill in hard drawing. Berugut 1480-1561 studied with Michelangelo and is supposed to have helped him in the Vatican. He afterward returned to Spain, painted many altarpieces, and was patronized as painter, sculptor, and architect by Charles V. and Philip I. I. He was probably the first to introduce pure Italian methods into Spain, with some coldness and dryness of coloring and handling. Isura 1520-1570 was born in Andalusia, but worked in Castile, and was a man of Italian training similar to Berugut. He was an exceptional man, perhaps, in his use of mythological themes and nude figures. There is not a great deal known about Morales 1509-1586, called the Divine, except that he was allied to the Castilian school, and painted devotional heads of Christ with the crown of thorns, and many afflicted and weeping Madonnas. 
there was Florentine drawing in his work, great regard for finish, and something of Correggio's softness in shadows pitched in a browner key, his sentiment was rather exaggerated, Sanchez Silo 1513, 1590 was painter and courtier to Philip II, and achieved reputation as a portrait painter, though also doing some altarpieces, it is doubtful whether he ever studied in Italy, but in Spain he was for a time with Antonio Moro, and probably learned from him something of rich costumes, ermines, embroideries, and jewels, for which his portraits were remarkable, Navarrete 1526, 1579, called El Mudo, the Dumb One, certainly was in Italy for something like twenty years, and was there a disciple of Titian, from whom he doubtless learned much of color and the free flow of draperies, he was one of the best of the middle period painters, Theodo Capuli 1548, 1625, called El Greco, the Greek, was another Venetian influenced painter, with enough Spanish originality about him to make most of his pictures striking in color and drawing, Tristan 1586-1640 was his best follower, Velázquez 1599-1660 is the greatest name in the history of Spanish painting, with him Spanish art took upon itself a decidedly naturalistic and national stamp, before his time Italy had been freely imitated, but though Velázquez himself was in Italy for quite a long time, and intimately acquainted with great Italian art, he never seemed to have been led away from his own individual way of seeing and doing, he was a pupil of Herrera, afterward with Pacheco, and learned much from Ribera and Tristan, but more from a direct study of nature than from all the others, he was in a broad sense a realist a man who recorded the material and the actual without emendation or transposition, he has never been surpassed in giving the solidity and substance of form and the placing of objects in atmosphere, and this, not in a small, cynical way, but with a breadth of view and of treatment which are today the despair of painters, there was nothing of the ethereal, the spiritual, the pietistic, or the pathetic about him, he never for a moment left the firm basis of reality, standing upon earth he recorded the truths of the earth, but in their largest, fullest, most universal forms, technically his was a master hand, doing all things with ease, giving exact relations of colors and lights, and placing everything so perfectly that no addition or alteration is thought of, with the brush he was light, easy, sure, the surface looks as though touched once, no more, it is the perfection of handling through its simplicity and certainty, and has not the slightest trace of affectation or mannerism, he was one of the few Spanish painters who were enabled to shake off the yoke of the church, few of his canvases are religious in subject, under royal patronage he passed almost all of his life in painting portraits of the royal family, ministers of state, and great dignitaries, as a portrait painter he is more widely known than as a figure painter, nevertheless he did many canvases like the tapestry weavers and the surrender at Breda, which attest his remarkable genius in that field, and even in landscape, in genre, in animal painting, he was a very superior man, in fact Velázquez is one of the few great painters in European history for whom there is nothing but praise, he was the full-rounded complete painter, intensely individual and self-assertive, and yet in his art recording in a broad way the Spanish type and life, he was the climax of Spanish painting, and after him there was a rather swift decline, as had been the case in the Italian schools, Mezzo 1610, 1667, pupil and son-in-law of Vila, 